0: Well, this morning I have a tremendous privilege to introduce to you our guest preacher today. His name is Ted Duncan, and he is the senior pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Mississauga. And Ted is here with his wife, Lindsay, and their four boys Jethro, Ezra, Abel, and Boaz. And a little bit of history here. So I had the privilege of serving on staff with Pastor Ted for three years uh, when Harvest Mississauga was then called Harvest Bible Chapel Brampton. And uh, I was able to learn and be under Ted and serve under him for those years. And what a, what a gift that was. And our relationship continues to this day. And I uh, love the fellowship of churches we are a part of. And uh, Ted has become a very dear friend and mentor to me. So uh, let's give him a warm Hope Bible Church welcome. Excellent. Thank you. well it's a real honor to be here thanks so much for the opportunity the invitation to come and open up God's word Uh, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs today so I want to invite invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 18 our ushers are going to be coming up and down the aisle right now uh Hope Bible Church, Bible's their middle name, and so uh, you want to make sure that you have a Bible uh, to be able to to navigate through uh, today's message. Thanks so much for the warm welcome, Ray. Uh, Those were three incredible years that we uh, shared uh, together, and uh, one of them was really the most difficult year of my life, and you were there for me and just really, really uh, grateful for your friendship then and now. It's my privilege to be continuing in the series called uh, Building the House, God's uh, God's Heart for, for the Family. And uh, I just want to let you know that uh, when it comes to Parenting, when it comes to being uh, a husband, uh, Ray Kaprowski is an incredible encouragement and example to me. Listen, it's one thing to be a great leader, It's, it's one thing to be a great speaker or a great preacher, but at the end of the day, that really doesn't matter that much. Is that when you're looking for someone in spiritual leadership, when you're looking for a pastor, you're looking for someone who is a a faithful husband and who is a a faithful father. And Ray is such a blessing and encouragement to me uh, in that way. And, uh, and so I'm really thankful to have the opportunity to carry along in this great series that Pastor Ray has been uh, walking you uh, through. Today I'm going to talk about something that is so powerful that it can literally change the trajectory of a nation. Uh, that, that is so uh, Im- impactful that, that, that the way that we use them can, can change and alter the course of our lives. And, and because they're so powerful, they can actually also do damage to, to a someone. They, they can inflict a wound in a heart that would take years and years in order to heal I'm talking about something that is so powerful and yet is somehow also so seemingly innocuous and mundane. We use these things to to do powerful, impactful things like giving a best man speech at your friend's wedding and yet we also use them to order a Big Mac at the drive-thru at McDonald's. We... we, we We use them in speeches, we use them, we sing them, we text them, we type them, we listen to them, we speak them. I'm talking today about words. And if we are going to have healthy family relationships, whether it's a young adult student relating back to your parents or thinking about being married in the future, whether it's a a young family trying to make sense of having little kids at home, whether it's grandparents trying to relate to uh, their children and their children's children, words are vitally important. Healthy families have healthy patterns of speaking. And so I want to turn today to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is really fitting in talking about words in a family because really the whole way the book of Proverbs is organized and presented is a father and sometimes a mother speaking to their children. So often a a new chapter in, in Proverbs will begin by saying, My son, listen to me. My son, hear my voice. Heed my instruction. So Proverbs is like a family book. And there are 150 different proverbs about words. One out of every six proverbs in the Bible is about speech. Now, I'm not going to go through all 150, but I am. I'm going to be clear with you. We're going we're to turn in our Bibles to 20 different proverbs today. And my aim is not that every single proverb that you'll be able to remember, but that one or two of, of, of these proverbs, wisdom messages from God's word are going to cut you to the heart and are going and you're going to walk away today with with a principle with wisdom to know how in your family context can you use uh, words and so the 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 Proverb that I want to begin with as our launching point is Proverbs chapter eighteen verse twenty one, and this was a verse that we had up on our blackboard in our uh, dining room that we wanted to learn as a family the power and the impact of words. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits." Every time we open our mouths, every time we comment on a blog, every time we post something on social media, every time we pick up the phone, we have the potential in that moment to bring life or to bring death. And so let's pray that God would help us to feel the weight of that and to cast that burden onto him. And so Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We are using words to pray to you And we hold in our hands your living and your active word. And so God, we pray right now that by the power of your spirit, that you would bring words of life to us, Lord, and that you would forgive us, Lord, and help us to walk in repentance for those times where we have uttered words of death to members of our family or to our community. And so Lord, we pray that you would lead us and guide us by your spirit. Guide us into your truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Words are a powerful thing. Words have the potential to bring life. If you're taking notes today, jot down this first and first, first and foremost: the power of our words. The power of our words. The, the power of, of our words are, is demonstrated most clearly in, in the story of creation. What did God use to create this vast universe? He used words. He said, "Let there be light," and there was light. He spoke the cosmos, into existence. Then uh, God created Adam and and then he created Eve. And in the very first wedding ceremony, when God established the first family, Adam laid eyes on his beautiful bride and he said, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Adam used a poem. He used words to express his, his, his feeling of oneness with his bride. Words are powerful. God used words, didn't he, to warn Adam and Eve. He invited them to say, you can eat from any of the trees of the garden that you want, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not, God used words. He said, he gave a command. He said, do not eat from that tree. But then the serpent used words, didn't he? He used lying, deceptive words to lure Adam and Eve away from the word of truth and to bring sin into the world. So we need to understand the, the power of our words. And under that heading, understand this, that, that our words have the potential to bring. Let's, let's start with the negative first. Words of death. Words of death death. Words can be destructive. A term with me in the book of Proverbs to Proverbs chapter 12 verse 8. Proverbs 12 verse 8. It says here in God's word, great to hear the pages of our Bibles turning. Proverbs 12, I'm sorry, Proverbs 12 verse 18. It says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There there are words that we can speak, rash words that are like sword thrusts, harsh words, sarcastic words, put downs, insults. Rash there means reckless, it means careless, it means blaring out. And they're like sword thrusts. Words can be a weapon. And some of you are probably thinking right now times where you opened your mouth where you used words to hurt somebody. And here's the hard here's the here's the difficult thing. You can't unstab someone. Once words are out you can't get them back. And so we need to understand that, that words can either harm or they can heal. The, the, this proverb tells us the, the, the flip side of words. They can be like sword thrusts or they can be like a, like a scalpel that's used by an expert surgeon to bring necessary healing Words come in our ears, but they touch deep down into our hearts. And we are God's image bearers. He has given us the ability to speak. And it is a stewardship. It is sobering. We must consider how serious it is to have the privilege of opening our mouths to either bring healing or to bring hurt. So words, words of death can be destructive. Words of death also can be a deceptive In the same chapter, look at Proverbs chapter twelve, verse twenty-two. It says, "Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight." Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, and abomination is is a caught up in that word is the idea of a horrible smell. All right, every once in a while, and you're uh, uh, as a family driving in a car or doing life together, every once in a while you come across a, a horrible smell, right? A, roll down the windows. No, roll up the windows. Is it coming from inside? Is it coming from outside? That's an abomination. Let's get rid of that. And the, when, when we open our mouths and tell lies for the Lord, it's an abomination. We open our mouths. It's like having talking to someone who has bad breath. I had a coffee this morning. I'm really conscious. If anyone could lend me gum after the service, I'm very conscious of, of my bad breath right now. And so we, we have this. We need to understand that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. You don't have to turn there, but Proverbs 19, verse 5 says, A false witness will not go unpunished. He who breeds out lies will not escape. Liars will not escape. When you lie, you fall into a trap. David Hubbard says that liars have to have long memories. Here's why you have to have a long memory when you're a liar is because you need to remain consistent. You have to create this alternative universe in which your lie is somehow, somehow, you can defend it. And so you tell this one lie and then someone asks you a question, well but what about, and then so you have to tell another lie. and, And It's very stressful to allow lies into your life and to tell lies. You have to have a long memory. We often often deceive. There's, There's big lies. There's small lies. They're all the same. They're all an abomination to the Lord. We so often make lies because we want to make ourselves look better than we really are. We tell lies to try to protect ourselves. But... We don't understand that that when we when we tell a lie, we aren't protecting ourselves, we're actually making ourselves more vulnerable. And we so often the reason why we lie is because we, we want to protect our image. I, I'm from I'm from Toronto, and I'm I'm enjoying driving around Ottawa. It just it's just a a real great uh, It's so much better than driving around Toronto. In Toronto, the, the Toronto the great thing is is that no matter where you're going, what time of day, you can always blame traffic on why you're late. And it doesn't matter that I left 15 minutes later than I wanted to because you can just oh sorry sorry I'm it was it was traffic and so often it's not traffic you just lie because you're ashamed. That you slept in, or that you you lost track of time, and you can—I don't know what you do here in Ottawa because things seem to be moving along quite uh, quite well. But that is a, a crutch. That is a lie that we so often uh, that we so often tell uh, one another in the Toronto area. How about this? Uh huh. Yep. Right. Got it. Pretending you're listening when you're not. Pretending you understand when you don't. Uh, so. So often we, we deceive in these small little ways. It's going to come back. It, 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 it's going to come back. The, the, the one who breathes out lies will not escape. So words of death are destructive. They're deceptive. And then thirdly, they're, they're divisive. They're divisive. Look one chapter back at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secret. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Divisive speech is revealing the secrets of other people. Sharing things that were told to you in confidence. Or listening to things that someone else is sharing with you that was told in confidence. Confidence. Whoever goes about slandering the NIV translates it: "A gossip betrays confidence." Well, you might say, "Well, listen. Every now and again, I might talk about someone behind their behind their back, but really, all I'm doing is I'm I'm venting." Well, I'll share another proverb with you. You don't have to turn there, but Proverbs 29:11 says, "A fool gives vent to his spirit." Venting is not allowed. Venting is unChristian. Venting is unbiblical. We are, we are not supposed to reveal secrets about other people. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a dishonest man spreads strife, but a whisperer, and a whisperer separates close friends. Divisive speech. Now, I want, I want to camp out here a, a, a little bit, because th- this is really important in a church, is... is Is churches can crumble, can fall apart because of whispering, because of this kind of divisive speech. So I want to ask you to turn to Proverbs chapter 29, verses 9 and 10. Proverbs, sorry, Proverbs 25, 9 and 10. The book of Proverbs is, is, the way it's arranged is really unique. It's not sort of like the Gospels or like the book of Genesis that kind of tells a story. There's like the beginning of a story and then there's a plot and the characters develop and then you sort of come to the end of the story. And it's not written like like the epistles, like, 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 like Romans or like 1 Corinthians where there's a greeting at the beginning and then Paul follows an argument and then there's a goodbye at the end. But Proverbs is not arranged that way. And it's, it's not really encyclopedic either and so what I've done is I've Poured over the 150 different Proverbs on the tongue and trying to condense it down. That's why we're having to turn uh, all, all over the place. Proverbs 25, 9 to 10 says, Argue your case with your neighbor himself, and do not reveal another secret, lest he who hears you bring shame upon you, and your ill repute have no end. Argue your case with your neighbor himself. If you have a problem, you don't need to go and tell someone else about that problem. You go directly to that person. Doesn't this sound exactly like Matthew 18 and how Jesus set up the process of church discipline? You don't go airing out someone else's dirty laundry to to someone else. We are supposed to argue your case with your neighbor himself and do not reveal another secret. So we are, we are commanded to, to not go about whispering to someone else. Look at, look at the next chapter, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 22. Proverbs 26, verse 22, it says, The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. See, this proverb tells us not just, not just the importance of, listen, don't initiate gossip, gossip and share gossip yourself, because those are words of death. But it's also telling us, make sure you don't listen to gossip. But what I love about this proverb is it shows us what is so attractive about, about gossip. Remember, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, when Satan lied to them, What was the pitch? What was he trying to to promise them? What did he lie to them about? He said, you will know. You will be like God and you will know. Human beings, we have this lust, this desire to know things. And so there is something. When a whisperer comes along and says, did you hear about Ray? There's this desire inside because we're just like our, just like our Edenic ancestors. There's this, this desire for knowledge wells up in us. And when we hear the words of a whisperer, it's like delicious morsels. It's like a Christian at Swiss chalet after a worship service as it's going down. We need to understand that that. Gossip is not just a one-way street. It's not just a unilateral problem with the people who, who chitter-chatter. It's, those, it's, it's, it's a sin on our part because there's this desire to know us. Also, when people want to gossip with us, when they want to whisper, it, it actually appeals to us. Because this is what, this is what a whisperer is really saying you know what, I'm having this problem with this person, but you're really smart. And I'm pretty sure you're gonna help me figure this out. And so it appeals to our ego. You know, they won't listen to me, but if you could go in kind of in a roundabout way, mention to them, and then we feel like, yeah, you know what, I think I, I, think I can handle this. You know, I can really trust you with, with, this, with this secret. And listen, it, it appeals to us. It goes down like delicious morsels. But then in the same chapter, Proverbs 26, verse 20, gives us really what we, need to, what we need to do. It says, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. And then it goes on to say, and where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. For lack of wood, a fire goes out. You take away the fuel, there's no fire. And if rather than leaning towards people who are whispering about others, the more we lean away from them and the more people know Hope Bible Church is not a place where I can say those kinds of things, then those people will either stop talking in that way or they will find somewhere else to go and to spread their divisive speech. We've got to stop it before it starts. So my question for you today is, are people comfortable coming up to you and talking about other people? We all want to be approachable and friendly, but it's a problem. If, if people feel like you're the kind of person that, 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 that can be spoken to in sort of a roundabout way to air out someone else's laundry, do, do the whisperers draw Close to you, because those are words of death. That's what that's what Proverbs tells us about the negative side of speech—words that are divisive, deceptive, and destructive. But let's talk about the positive side. Let's talk about words of life, as we really use Proverbs eighteen twenty-one as our uh, outline for today. Words of life. I'm going to give these to you. um, all at once, so just jot these down. Here is, out of the 150 Proverbs, about, about speech. Here's sort of the Coles the, the Notes crystallization of uh, what Proverbs says about speech. Take your time, keep it short, tell the truth, and watch your tone. Take your time, keep it short, tell the truth, watch your tone tone. Number one, take your time. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. I love this uh, passage. Proverbs 15, 28 says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Take your time. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer the wise person the righteous person thinks before they speak they they ponder and notice how the heart is being described here the heart in in the 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 biblical worldview is not is not your physical heart it's also not just your emotions you know like valentine's day and cupid and all of that sort of nonsense the heart was like, it considered the command center for the soul. It did involve your emotions, but it also involved your intellect. You know, we say we memorize things, I know it by heart. And, and, and it also had to do with, with a person's will, like your heart's desire. And so, a righteous person ponders in their heart. They evaluate, okay, what are the facts? What am I thinking before I respond? Also, The righteous person, the wise person Is not just evaluating the facts They're also in tune with their emotions How am I emotionally responding To what's happening right now Before I open my mouth And then they're also thinking So there's mind, there's emotion And then there's will What am I hoping to accomplish right now Before I open my mouth Now just think about that Think about that in the context of parenting Think about that in the context of relationships Think about that If we would only just take a moment and say Okay, what actually are the facts here? And how do I feel about those facts? How is that affecting me emotionally? And in opening my mouth, what am I ho- what's my goal? What am I hoping to accomplish? Where is my will at? We've got to take our time. Too often our mouths are open and our minds are closed. Our hearts don't, listen, we live in an age, the internet age, the social media age is open mouths and closed minds. Amen? Amen? People, are, people are, are just, they're not even bothering listening to what is actually happening. They see a couple of headlines, they, they use a couple of buzzwords and hashtags, and they've already shared their opinion before they even understand what's going on. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, just two chapters over, says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. That is Western society in 2019. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only expressing his opinion. Look at the same chapter, Proverbs 18, verse 6 and 7. This chapter is filled with uh, discussion of speech. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. This is why we got to take our time. Because so often we get ourselves into trouble when we talk too much. Proverbs 18, verse 13, same chapter. If anyone gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame. Take your time. Interrupting people, jumping to conclusions, making assumptions. And then this is why we need to take our time. Proverbs 18, verse 17. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. This is why we can't let gossip thrive in the church because when we only listen to the whisperer we never actually hear things from the other person's point of view and and, and then we get this skewed understanding of what of, of the situation but we never actually hear this this proverb tells us this is why our whole judicial system is set up that you have you you have the the, the, the the offender or, or the, the, the defendant over here, the accused, and, and then you have, you have the, the crown over here, and so that both sides are able to share. It's right there in Proverbs. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. So often in my family living with four boys, you know, I'm upstairs, and then down in the basement, I'll hear thud, thud, wah. right? And then I go down, and I, I see, I hear, I hear the one going, wah, and I'm hearing the story. And, and then I, I can assume that I know just on hearing one side of the story, and a lot of my failures as a dad is when I just jump to a conclusion where I don't take my time, where I give a snap judgment. Am I the only parent that does that? But when I take my time, and I sit down, and I say, well, what, where did the thud come from, the first thud, and then where did the second thud come from? And that's, that's wisdom right there. Not opening my mouth. Not laying down a pronouncement. Not assuming that I'm omniscient. But allowing both parties to express their side of the story. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. So, take your time. Here's the second piece of wisdom. Keep it short. Keep it Short. Some of you are like, I hope you do that. You mentioned Swiss chalet. I want to let's get this going, Ted. So I will try to keep it short. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. Proverbs 10, 19. This proverb is scary. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips... Is prudent. Uh, this is scary because I'm the one up here talking right now, and this is a proverb based on statistical analysis. That the more that you talk, the more the probability goes up that you're going to say something wrong. That's that's just that it's it, it, it's 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 a a proverb based on statistical analysis. That when words are many, transgression is not is not absent. So if you happen to talk for a living. Or if you talk so much that you could make a living of it, you, you need to be aware. You need to be a, a cautious. It's sp- speech, words, this is a stewardship that we have been entrusted with. Proverbs 17.28, I won't make you a turn there, but Proverbs 17.28 says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed Intelligent. You go into the boardroom at work and everyone's sharing their ideas and you're sort of looking and squinting a little bit and kind of nodding your head and people are. You just people assume that you're intelligent. So don't open your mouth and remove all doubt. There's there's again, the problem is just based on observation. Just, just keep quiet. Don't be so quick to open your mouth. Keep it. Short. Then the third principle is to tell the truth. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 26. Turn with, turn with me and your Bibles to this one. Proverbs 24, verse 26. To tell the truth. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Now It depends on who you're talking to. That may not be the most exciting proverb for you. But the principle is this, is that you are giving blessing and favor and courtesy and honor. Whoever tells the truth kisses the lips. Loved ones, if our families are going to be healthy, if we are going to build a family the way that God, the architect, has designed the family to be, there must be honesty. Honesty between husband and wife. Honesty between children and their Parents, honesty between parents and their children Don't keep things hidden from your family Kids, there may be a a time, it might be happening right now Where something happened at school Or something happened at a friend's house And you you feel really bad about it And you've never told your parents Because you're afraid about how they're going to react Listen, they're going to react just fine because they love you And nothing that you ever did or nothing that anyone ever did to you will ever change that. There is nothing that you could say to your parents ever that would make your parents love you any less than how much they love you right now. And so if there is anything that you are trying to keep from your parents because you're afraid, listen, you need to tell them the truth. They love you. It will be like you going up to them and just laying a big smack on their face. Because he who tells the truth and gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Proverbs 29, 5. Proverbs 29, a five. Here's another thing about telling the truth. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Telling the truth involves not flattering people, not flattering our children giving them honest, encouraging, well-nuanced feedback about how they're doing in school or how they're doing in athletics. And listen, this this rails against, you know, when my kids play soccer and hockey and, you know, MVP trophies for everyone. That's just flattery. You can't... In saying that everyone is the most valuable player, you're saying that no one is the most valuable player. You can't all be MVP. and And so... We live in this age of self-esteem and pumping tires. And listen, I'm all for positive reinforcement. But listen, we need to tell the truth. And so, listen, do you remember like 10 years ago? I don't know if it was like a law or something, but you couldn't have a TV show unless it involved people singing in front of a panel. Do you remember that? Like every show... You couldn't, like every single channel Involves someone who couldn't sing Standing in front of like four or five people who could And then the four or five people would just rip that person to shreds Now, if those people who couldn't sing Had real friends They never would have got up there in the first place But flattery spreads a net We keep telling our friends Oh, you look great, or you sound great, or you're doing great Or we keep telling our children You're the best, you're awesome, MVP, blah, blah, blah and we're spreading a net because the truth is we're not we're not perfect and 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 we are going to fail and we are going to make mistakes and we have strengths but we also have weaknesses and we're doing a disservice to ourselves if we're just flattering one another we're spreading a net for our feet some of you are thinking, amen, tell the truth. I, I'm just the kind of guy, I just like to tell it how it is. You know? If you don't look good, if you don't sound good, I'm just like, you stink. And, uh, I'm a truth teller. I'm, I'm, I'm living biblically. You're not living biblically. Because the fourth principle is this, watch your tone. Watch your tone. Proverbs 15, verse 1. Proverbs 15, verse 1. says, a soft Answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The, the biblical wisdom, the, the admonitions to tell the truth, doesn't give you full license just to say whatever you want to say as long as it's true. See, and notice here a soft answer, you can tell, the, some people think, well, you can't be soft if you're telling the truth. Yes, you can, it's right here. The, Bible, the God's word can't contradict itself. We're supposed to speak the truth, but we can do it in a way that is soft. Again, parenting, you know, when, when, when our youngest right now is three. But I remember when these guys were really young, you know, trying to teach them about, about gentle, right? And, and taking their hand, and je- come on up here for a second, taking their hand and trying to, trying to teach them about, you know, je- remember when you were a little boy, trying to be like, gentle gentle and then you would say you would say gentle and then go bang, right and that's go ahead and say, thanks a lot chat and that's and listen we we have we need to understand tact we need to understand what it means to speak in a gentle tone because listen the truth hurts and if if we are going to as the proverbs say our speech has the ability to bring healing So, if we are like medical practitioners, we gotta watch our bedside manner. We gotta be careful in how we present and how we go about injecting the needle or opening up a wound with a scalpel. We need to be sensitive. A soft answer turns away wrath. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 4, the same chapter. It says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but a perv- pervasiveness in speech breaks the spirit. Proverbs 12, 25, you don't have to turn there, but it says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. How many people in this world are weighed down by anxiety? How many people in our family are weighed down by the worries and cares of this world? But the proverb says, the end of Proverbs 12, 25 says, but a good word makes him glad. That When we speak in a good tone, we have the ability to not crush someone with more truth, but to tell them the truth in a way that is good. Look at Proverbs 16, one chapter over from where you are right now. Proverbs 16, verse 23. It says, The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. This is the Mary Poppins principle, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Sometimes the truth, it, 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 it's bitter. And so we need, to, we need to speak in a way, gracious words, kind words, kind tone, in order to uh, speak what needs to be said. And then look at Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 11. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 11. This is the last proverb we're going to look at today and then I want to put this sort of in its New Testament context. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. If you have a pure heart, and if your speech is gracious, then the king, not, not, not just the prime minister or not just some MPPs, but the king, you will have the king as your friend. If we have a pure heart, listen, the, the great and ultimate king of this universe wants to relate to you as friend, but the conditions of being in a friendship with our creator, in a relationship with our creator, the condition is twofold. We must have a pure heart and we must have gracious speech. And the truth is, if we're honest with ourselves and I want to be as gentle and as gracious as I can be in saying this, the truth is, no one in this room and no one on this planet has either of those things. All of us have failed and sinned with our mouths, deceptive words, destructive words, divisive words. All of us have fallen short of the admonitions to take our time and to keep it short and to tell the truth and to watch our tone. All of us have failed in the area of having gracious speech. And that reveals that all of us have failed in the area of having a pure heart. And Jesus drew a connection between those two things, didn't he, in the New Testament. Jesus said, Out of the abundance of the heart. What did he say? The mouth speaks. So based off off what Jesus told us. And based off our own experience. We are all disqualified from having the king as our friend. Because. Only those who have purity of heart, only those who have gracious speech can have the king as their friend. But all of us have failed in that way. And Jesus explains why. The reason why we failed in our speaking is because of what's coming out of our heart. Jesus, Jesus anties up even In, in Matthew 12, 36, the same passage. He says this, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. This call is being recorded for quality assurance purposes. Every single word. Every single word. I spent, you know, four or five hours with my family in a car to get here. There, there's some tone things. There's some content things that I wish I had back yesterday. And how I spoke to my wife, and how I spoke to my kids. I'm never gonna get those back. I'm disqualified from relating to the king because of those things that, that I said. What about you? Every careless word on the day of judgment, all of us are going to have to give an account for every careless word that we say. Kids, The way that you speak to your parents, the way that you talk to uh, the kids in your school who may not fit within your peer group, who may not look like you or sound like you or might not fit in, the way that we talk to our teachers, we have to give an account for everything that we have said. This is the power of our word. Our words have the power not just to bring life and to bring death, our words have the power to condemn us on Judgment Day. It's all being recorded. That's the power of our words. And then I want to conclude by encouraging you with the power of the word. John chapter 1 begins the same way as Genesis chapter 1 begins with this phrase in the beginning. And it talks about Jesus and calls him the Word. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And then it says that the Word became flesh. That Jesus Christ came to speak the very words of God. And Jesus did. He came and he spoke the Word of God. He told us the bad news that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the heart's not good, therefore what we speak is not good. And we're all, it's all going to get recorded and we all have to give an account. And Jesus spoke the Word But then Jesus said, he said the problem is our heart. But then Jesus also promised in John 7, whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus promised a transformed heart. A heart that loves him. A heart that loves our neighbor. A heart that doesn't spew out of our mouths vile, hurtful words. But words that bring healing and words that bring life. Jesus is the one who can bring about that transformation. You know, when Jesus gave that famous, uh, that, that famous message in John chapter 7, you know who was listening to that message? If, if you read John 7 this afternoon, you'll see. There were soldiers who were sent to go and arrest Jesus that day. And they heard Jesus say, whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The soldiers came back, they didn't arrest Jesus, and the people that sent him were like, what's, what's up, man? Why didn't you arrest him? And the soldier said, no one ever spoke like this man. That's John 7, 46. No one ever spoke like Jesus. He knew how, he knew how to take his time. The law of Moses says that this woman should be, should be killed because of the adultery that she committed. Jesus took his time, didn't he? He got down and he rode in the sand. Jesus knew how to watch his tone. He knew about bruised reeds. He knew about smoldering wicks. He had mad words for the Pharisees. But he had different words for the the lepers and the prostitutes and and the tax collectors. He knew how to watch his tone. He knew how to tell the truth. His words have power. And his most powerful words came on the cross when he said, It is finished. When he suffered and died, being crucified for every hurtful, deceptive, divisive, destructive word that we've ever spoken, he hung on the cross and said, Father, punish me instead of all of these. Father, play the tape of all of those hurtful words and treat me as though I were the one who said those words. And then turn around and treat these rebellious sinners As though they lived the perfect 33 years of sinless perfection that I lived. And he said on the cross, after that was accomplished, he said, it is finished. And here's the the incredible thing. It's our words that condemn us. But it's also our words that God uses as the means in order to save us. He sent his word, his son. His, his word is proclaimed as people share the gospel. But how do we respond to the gospel? We respond with words. Romans chapter 10 verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a connection between the mouth and the heart again. And listen, that's, only God can do that. You know, Isaiah has that vision of God in Isaiah chapter 6. And what's his response? He says, woe is me. I am ruined. And he says, because I have seen the king. And he knows, Proverbs says, he can't can't be friends with the king. His his heart is impure. His lips are impure. And what does Isaiah say? He says, I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. He knew his speech condemned him. He didn't belong in the presence of the king. And then the angel beautifully comes and brings a coal from the altar, the place of sacrifice. And he presses it against his, his lips. And listen, only the gospel can do that. Our lips are the very thing that condemn us, but then God uses our lips, our confession that Jesus is Lord as a, as a means of, of saving us by his grace as he transforms our hearts. Jesus not only forgives us for the hurtful words that, that, that we've spoken, he also heals the words of other hurtful people that they've spoken to us. And he speaks to us and he says, I love you, I have saved you, I have chosen you, and I am with you. And once we hear his words speak to our heart, that changes our hearts and changes what comes out of our mouths. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a father who speaks to us and who loves us. And Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the word who became flesh, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would allow your truth to sink down deep into our hearts. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for those, Lord, who are under conviction by the Spirit. Lord, I pray that, that if they need to walk in repentance for things that they've said, maybe it was something they said this morning, maybe it was something they said 15 years ago, sword thrusts rash words Lord I pray that you would help them to walk in in repentance I pray God that the conviction of the spirit would not be confused with the with the faulty condemnation of the evil one Lord but that the gospel of forgiveness and of grace Lord would wash over each and every one God I pray for those who have been hurt by words Lord Of others, whether those people have repented or whether they have not, Lord, I thank you that you have the power, that you are strong enough, Lord, to rescue and to save and to redeem and to heal. Lord, I pray that your word, God, would speak louder than any hurtful word that has been spoken by any human mouth, Lord God. God, thank you that you said, It is finished. We believe that. It is written. It is finished. We believe, Lord God, that you are stronger, that your word speaks louder, and we pray that you would be with us as we respond and worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.